0: This podcast is brought to you by Keep Pulling, an Olympic weightlifting resource and USA weightlifting community development training site located in Tampa, Florida. Find all things weightlifting, including coaching, training programs, community events, and so much
1: more. And Lifting Life, your go-to photography provider for every major USA weightlifting meet in the nation. They are also based in Florida and provide platform lifting sequences and videos, VIP photo packages, and so much more that is available to every single lifter. Capture the moment at Lifting Life. And now it's time for the show. Here we are. We're back. We told you to we back. Guess what, Andy?
0: We are both alive and well.
1: Yeah. Go figure. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Who'd have thunk it?
0: <laughs> nice, nice to see you're safe out there, uh, as many people are. But here we are back for episode nine now of the Keep Pulling podcasts, uh, How's it going on your end?
1: It's going great, actually. Getting a lot of stuff done with all this extra time off I've had working every other day. Yeah, it's pretty nice what about you i know i've been in your place same. a couple times
0: yep yeah we've been doing some filming for my wife's uh, science show a couple of rap videos uh to help with e-learning modules and stuff like that but as far as like keep pulling stuff uh, same thing just tying up some loose projects getting some procedures in line for when we get back to the gym here, hopefully that's very right. soon. It's
1: coming up soon. Yeah.
0: There's a big announcement today here in Florida uh, and we're hopeful uh, that we're going to get back to it. Hopefully next week. Good. I mean, that's Florida's that, leading the it's, way. Yeah. That's some indication. We've seen some indication that might be as early as Monday.
1: Well, today we got, Go ahead. Yep. Today we are talking
0: with Mark Canella. Uh, we had the pleasure of spending time with Mark at the American Open Series 1 a few months ago before all this craziness started in Columbus, Ohio, also known as the Arnold Weightlifting Championships.
1: Yes. Mark has been running the AO Series 1 Arnold and the Arnold Championships since 2003. That's a long time. That's. <laughs> Only two years after I got out of high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: <laughs> the year after I got year, out. This past year, there was the
1: third year of the AO Series 1 at the event, and the 17th year of the meet, which is huge. And he's going to be yeah. on the show in a, in a few minutes after we get these intros <clears> out. Go ahead and work can yeah, we find the followers, yeah, Patrick? I'm
0: excited. Yeah. So make sure to uh, follow us on social media. We are at Keep Pulling and at Lifting Life on Instagram. And you can find previous episodes of this podcast on our website, keeppulling.com. And if you like what you hear, drop us a review on iTunes. But thanks for listening. And as always, we hope you enjoy this episode because I'm sure we will. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, here, here's Mark. <laughs> Mark is on the show. Go ahead, hey, Mark. Guys. You're live. Yeah. Welcome.
2: Awesome. I- Thanks so much. It's funny to think that you were referring to the Arnold for basically 2000 in in terms of the few months ago of what happened for 2020. And that was sort of the beginning of the end. Right. So I laughed a little bit thinking, hey, we thought this was going to be fine. And then all of a sudden, day by day, announcement by announcement things started going towards not so good all right. and here we are a few months later. So yeah, we're around, but not in the condition that we thought we'd be.
1: You're right. And I'm going to give a, a brief intro we got on you here. A little, little bit of your accolades. Tell me, stop me when you, your head gets too big. All right. Uh, <laughs> come on now. Uh, head coach and president of Columbus Weightlifting, founder and meet director of the Arnold Weightlifting Championships founded in 2K3. Okay. Okay. Senior international coach, USA Weightlifting. Keep rolling. (laughs) (laughs) Team manager of USA Team uh, Weightlifting for Junior Worlds 2011 in Malaysia.
2: That is true.
1: Yes. Women's coach of World University Games in 2013 in Russia.
2: That was awesome, by the way.
1: Personal coach for Olympics 2012, London, England. Personal coach for athlete 2014 Worlds, Almaty, Kazakhstan. Yeah, Coach of the Year 2012 Ohio, including an induction into the Ohio Weightlifting Hall of Fame in 2014 as a coach and an athlete, and an athlete, folks, liaison to the Arnold to world-class athletes, including multiple gold medalists and world record holders for the last 16 years, is the VP for local weightlifting in Ohio since 2016, and the meet director for the 2016 Ohio State and Midwest Championships. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Canella.
2: I was thinking you guys had one of those visa searches and you were doing background checks on me.
1: <laughs> well, that we did though. a star 69 and they gave us all that.
0: <laughs> all here's is home address. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Home address, personal <laughs> security number.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well it's good to have you show and we might as well just get started. Uh, there's been obviously a lack of weightlifting meets this year and believe it or not, we're, we're just going to hop into DeLorean, go back in time to March. Yeah, it's yeah, March. March or February. I, the, my brain it, it's is March. Fine yeah. When it comes to weightlifting. Yeah, yeah, March, the AO1. It was the last and most recent USA Weightlifting Meet. And uh, we want to get a deeper look into what happened in leading up to the event and during as well.
2: So in terms of a timeline, what, what are you looking for, Andy?
1: Let's start back when the meet starts for you.
2: Well, it, the meet literally is year-round when we go to prepare you have all the different buckets from the logistics, the infrastructure, the volunteers, the actual event in conjunction with USAW, all the things that you have to be prepared for. So that's year round in terms of making sure that you're organized. But I would say the last six weeks probably is where rubber hits the road in terms of making sure that we're set up, we do site visits, those type of things. This is a relatively new venue where we're at now. So figuring out all the logistics because of the construction that was going on at the convention center, that was important for us. And then interfacing with the Arnold group themselves, making sure that what we wanted to do was okay. The one thing I would say about our event, and USAW knows this also in terms of personnel, we're kind of like that movie with the casino where we answer to somebody else and you have that mob boss at the top, (laughs) right? He goes all the way down. (laughs) We answer to a lot of other people. So people think, oh, You can do this, this, and this. And I'm actually, well, I have all these other people that I answer to. So that's probably something people don't realize. It's not a standalone meet where you can go in, hold your meet, and not worry about other things that you have to answer to. For us, we basically are responsible for things in terms of the next step up and clearing that first before we go on to the next thing. So that's probably something that people don't realize about the Arnold you guys mentioned this on one of your other podcasts, 200 to 250,000 people that flow in 80 different events with that. We're just one of those. With that being said, we answer to all those different chair people. And then obviously Jim Lormer and Bob Lormer and the staff in terms of making sure that we can do certain things. So yeah, that's pretty much the preparation six weeks out. And then from there, we roll into those last few days where we're working, getting into the convention center. Now, this, particular time, it was very easy and very easy loading out. So for us, without the spectators and all the other sponsors, it was probably the easiest move. So once in about a 20 year span, I'm happy that we actually had this because it was (laughs) incredible in terms of just going in and out. I couldn't believe it. It was like the sea was parted, so to speak. Yeah. And we were very happy with that.
1: It's clear skies. Yes. And man, when they said when they first said no spectators, I kind of got excited because uh, last year when I was covering it, I couldn't move. I yeah. could, there was, just to go to the bathroom was like 20 minutes.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, people don't realize what the Arnold's about and the whole just sports festival until you walk into that main expo hall. And then once yeah, you do it
0: blows something- your mind. Yeah,
2: it blows your mind. People, when they see it and they feel it and they experience it, until you tell them, or I should say, until they actually see it when you tell them, they don't understand and then after that the white eyes they come out of that w- one
0: hall and they're like okay we get it mark we understand what you're talking about
1: patrick got a little taste of that this was his first year going to the arnold
0: yeah just yeah that was my my, my first year yeah and i was expecting i mean up until you know a day or two before just like seas of people and uh, andy told me about the previous couple years that he covered it and and you know my, my wife had been there a couple years ago um, but I, you know, I was, I was <laughs> looking forward to experiencing it, but I think it's slightly, slightly, uh, skewed now. It's like the, the same way we took BJ to Disney when, it, when they were closing up and we just like walked on to rides, <laughs> it's like, like kind of that thing. Yeah. It's like. You know, don't don't let this be your impression of what it is, because normally this would not right. happen at all. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, as far as far as people that that you work with for the event, obviously Columbus Weightlifting plays a big part in that. Uh, do you have uh, s- specific like positions that you had, like assistant meet director uh, within within your event as part of the the Arnold?
2: Yeah, so we have a hierarchy just like anybody else in terms of the way we run the event. If you look at USAW, we have staff that do certain functions. Shelly, in terms of running things, literally I would call her co-meet director, and then we have staff that essentially set up our volunteers. So you have the loading crew, you have your hospitality, you have all these different buckets, registration, you could go on and on. Our Columbus Weightlifting Group, number one, in terms of volunteers, of setting this up to make sure that it runs properly. And we just met literally yesterday talking about the event for next year with all the things that we were gonna have to do. So yeah, we have a set in terms of group that we rely on. And then our lifters understand that, hey, you're not gonna be lifting at the AO1. Here's the reason why this just did. We're gonna have over a thousand lifters. We need all hands on deck in terms of having people assist and help out. And as you get a core group going, just like anything else, you get familiar with all the things that can happen. I could go on and on about all the crazy stuff that happens every year that you say, how did that just happen but it did and how do you handle it right (laughs) and now i have a staff that can handle some of those things that i don't have to run and put out that fire whereas in the first few years we were doing that boots on the ground all the time now i have staff that literally oh yeah we've dealt with that we'll handle this and then i hear about it afterwards and i'm okay with that believe me so it's a process in itself and a big production but now that we have this staff that's been with us for a few years it's great to know that I don't have to worry about certain things.
1: That's great. It, it, that's kind of how it is for us here Lifting Life, too. I got uh, a few people I can 100% rely on. I, I try to get them to every meet. As the intro said, every yep. meet in the nation.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which right now is not too many. Yeah. No,
1: all of three. I've, well, there's the Oklahoma one, Pleasanton, and then the Arnold. And that, that was it so far. For yeah. yeah. Uh, now, you were an athlete. In the past yes and probably still are Everybody's average but
2: yeah back in the day sure
1: how, how what, what do you what, want what to kind know? of what kind of numbers <laughs> were you putting up there what, what do you bench buddy
2: yeah yeah exactly what do I bench? <laughs> and, and so back then what you bench was literally the opening line for somebody when somebody realized that you left it not understanding now you come to almost thirty thousand members with usaw that being said snatch and cleanager that's a big deal and if you look at even the NFL combine you look at the NFL network they talk about power cleans and cleans and some of the olympic lifting whereas before it was always the inclined bench or bench press in terms of how many reps with 225 so number wise way back when my best snatch 132 and a half my best clean and jerk 172 and a half if if i was in terms of things that i think back would have changed and known about right kind of the DeLorean going back figured out a few things. I could have probably added 10 or 15 kilos more, I think, but that didn't really do much of anything other than sort of see the coaching aspect of how do we do what we do and why does this happen? Why does that happen Mm -hmm. with the technique? And I think that's where, when I did decide to get involved with coaching, that helped with the impetus of having those coaches when I said, hey, this lift was missed, why? What happened here? What happened there? And that provided the foundation, so to speak, of the technique. And we tout that to this day, 2020, as we roll along with Columbus Weightlifting, technique is really where it's at. And having that good technique or solid technique understanding, that helps our athletes and ultimately right. with what they do on the platform.
1: <laughs> man, the things that we know now, as far as overall lifestyle choices uh, related yep. to, to sport, I mean, man, a, a few people back in the uh, 80s and 90s were doing that, I'd say but not everybody, not like yeah. now. No, definitely the United States
2: is, is really improved. it mean to step on you. Look at the United States on the international stage, and we are certainly a player, especially on the women's side, and will continue to be as things improve with the drug testing and the focus of performance. So, yeah, it's great what we've got going on right now.
1: Moving from an athlete to a coach, what, what kind of transition was that like?
2: <laughs> Jokingly, for me, it was one of those when I came back into Columbus, Ohio, decided to get back into school, and actually found a gym, which was great. Dan Bell had an Olympic weightlifting gym. He had strongman in terms of the activities, or I should say, the strongman, strong women, because he had different athletes that were competing back then in that event. Even back in the early two thousands, he essentially said, "You lift more weight than anybody in the gym right now. You're going to be the head coach." So if that was my transition to, okay, I'm lifting right now, but now I'm going to put this other hat on and start this process. And then from that, the events in terms of holding competitions, we had another person, Megan, who came along, who actually saw weightlifting from a storefront as she was driving by a snatch lift and said, (laughs) Oh, this is interesting. I come from fitness. I would like to see what's going on there. pulls up and she has an event background. And from that, that's when we started holding events and that essentially was how the Arnold started. But the coaching aspect literally started from that. And then from that we've gone, here it is 20 plus years later, we're, we're working again and it goes in cycles. Patrick probably knows this in terms of a team and a club, that type of thing. You look at your athletes five years ago, and compare that to now and how it goes in cycles of your team and how they improve. And you have these ebbs and flows and you undulate with how things go. That's essentially coaching. And here it is 20 years later of dealing with that. It's been a cool ride and it's been really good. We've had some high points with lifters at world championships and at the Olympics. And then we have just as much satisfaction with athletes that do really well at your Mm -hmm. state meet and your local events that, PR, so to speak, of doing those personal records, that's just as important. And you know that you're doing something correct when everybody's improving. And that's the one thing we hang our hats on. Somebody comes through the door that that person, he or she improves on their total and does what they're looking for in terms of that, hey, what's my goal here? To improve in terms of another sport, let's say they're a thrower, or is it actually weightlifting and I want to improve in terms of my total, in terms of the snatch and clean and jerk. So both of those are important, but yeah, we really... Hold ourselves at that high accord of, hey, when you walk in, we want to make sure you improve. Here's how we're going to do it. And at the end of the day, look at the numbers of these athletes. They essentially improve their total. They start at some point, come through the door. They're going to improve.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's it's part of this, the process that a lot of folks, and Andy and I touch on this, you know, trust the process kind of thing. Um, which it's a it's a long game, right? And something you alluded to uh, just a couple minutes ago that that's something super interesting to myself. Um, just the the experience of being an athlete in the sport before you start coaching or even in that transition period, uh, I believe is, is super important even though, a coach may not be a super elite athlete or you know go to that international level at least there's the background of experience like you said where this is how i figured out in my own experience how to fix it and with other folks too uh it's a it's definitely another just an arm of of coaching that is super important personally like i've never cleaned 300 pounds i've never gotten even close to 130 uh but you know but know yeah, back in my heyday, maybe close, but, <laughs> you know, now 11 years coaching down the road, it's like now you can recognize patterns and say, you know, hey, this happened with this person 10 years ago and six years ago, the same thing. So let's try this. I know it works. Uh, so it's more, like, I guess that's empirical data that you kind yeah. of experience. Um, Plus
1: the, uh, I, I've made that mistake before type of mentality. like
0: Right. And personally, yeah.
2: Yep. Great points. I mean, that's that mental side of an athlete understanding having a bad day is a little bit different than, as you said, long game of, hey, here's where you were a year ago, here's where you are now. Instead of that bad day all of a sudden, right, the the sky is falling. And you have to pull back sometimes and explain to that athlete, hey, here's the process, here's where we're gonna be in one year, three years, five years, and so on. If you're willing to stick with this, here are some of the things that might be possibilities for you down the road as opposed to eh, I had this terrible day snatching yeah. everything was bad I do right? I'm so that, <laughs> yeah. I'm leaving. yeah so well in our club people come from crossfit and then they want to weight lift so normally right, they're not right. saying that it's they're the other players. way around in yeah. terms of yeah but, yeah but but that being said yeah that mental side of things is completely different with weightlifting and being there in that moment so sure. you're onto something there definitely
1: I think once people feel they get the click moment where everything clicks and they hit that snatch and feel the speed and the the effortless catch and stand up, then it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm more than human. I, I am a (laughs) uh weightlifter.
2: I I call that the aha moment. Right. And once you have it, then you know what that is. Yeah. And then you're okay. I can do this. And everybody has that moment where they figure out, so to speak, how to lift. And that really provides again another stepping stone to whatever they're trying to do. It,
1: it's just it's fun to watch. It's like watching a child grow up too. Yeah, you know, see them develop over the years, and so too weightlifters. Yep. Uh, question about the Arnold. We got a lot of questions about the Arnold. <laughs> the days leading up, uh, the the state government and the meat director, not meat directors, but the the Arnold managers. People who put the what's their names yep. again? So Jim Lormer, the Rons, Lormers, he's the director. The Lormers, yeah. It seemed like all the decision-making was separated. The government's deciding one thing, the Lormers are deciding another, as far as the path of the Arnold, because the state government wanted to shut down you know, the Arnold, no spectators. Then they said, no, we're right. having spectators, because it wasn't an official order. Do, do you have any, how, how did that look, what did it look like from your side?
2: So I'll tell you, I wasn't really worried about any of the back and forth. And I got a few phone calls from some very important people in terms of what was going to happen. And never once, even with the press conference, that I think they're going to shut this down. Until basically Thursday went into Friday, and I got a few text messages. And I won't say what they said, but it, I was very worried at that point based on the information I got. And then I thought, wow this might not actually happen and this might get shut down. It was at class. that point I was, walk- I, yeah, I was walking on eggshells and thinking to myself, is somebody going to basically come to the door that and would- basically, I, yeah, like a cease and desist and slap up something in an in orange color, red color that basically says, Hey, we're not going to be able to compete. We're not going to be able to do this event anymore. And it was at that point, Friday went through and we got to Saturday. Then I thought, well, Nobody's gonna basically shut us down now. This would be ridiculous. We're almost halfway through. Why in the world? So this was sort of my seven (laughs) stages of trying to rationalize all this, right? And and at that point, when I got through there, I was like, okay, we're home free. But yeah, that text message, or I should say there was actually a few, I, I was like, huh, this actually might not happen. And at that point I got worried. But up until then, even when they had that press conference, but uh, not a problem, no big deal. Sure, there's some issues that we have to deal with. Sure, we've got basically the Board of Health in working with Shelly in terms of making sh- sure people fill out the forms and if they need to be tested and here are the things we need to do. Protocols, basically. Yeah, like, ah, no big deal. It's just another curveball. It's the Arnold. We're used to this. We always have to do this. So you had all these people line up beforehand and all this, no problem. But then again, that next day rolled through and then all of a sudden I'm looking at my phone and going, eh. But yeah, that's how it transpired for us. And then again, as we rolled along and kept getting through each hour and each day, then I was like, okay, we're home free here at this point. This doesn't really affect us. Other than the aftermath of essentially the following days, they started shutting down in Ohio, restaurants and everything else. And then I was like, wow, we were literally the last group to get through. And I think there was five events at the Arnold of the 80 that occurred. So it was surreal with that as you guys We're talking about, hey, it's your first Arnold. You're not really seeing the full flavor and the full force of what really happens. But that being said, for us, the five that were there, essentially in that hall, were commiserating and talking, going, hey, it's great that we're actually having an event. But that being said, what's kind of the next step in terms of all the other groups that are doing what they're supposed to be doing and how are they being affected whether it's financially mentally all the athletes that are involved that came all this way from all over the world and now basically they're not going to be able to compete so there's a lot of that too so you get both sides
1: and the, the no spectator thing that was a more of an on paper thing i think as far as people in the rooms because even if you walk down to the powerlifting side I mean, that place was packed. Our place got pretty packed, too, during the women's um, international session. That was it was fun to watch, too. But it, it was great to actually see a crowd.
2: Yeah, I think the official, if somebody were to ask me, I would say no comment in terms right, of spectators. Right, right, right. I don't know what you're talking about. But, yeah. there
1: <laughs> <laughs> was nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it was pretty cool because you could hear it and see it. And I thought, okay, despite all the things that are going on, we still have the flavor of the Arnold going on with these few events, yeah. which was
1: pretty cool. Speaking of flavor of the Arnold, I, I know I keep coming up with follow up questions, Patrick, but uh, that's one of the best things about the Arnold is the flavor of the Arnold. It's it's a it's a national meat, I think, combined with a local meat style because you got your platforms yep. on the floor. It, it's it's everything a national meat is except the raised platforms and the big screens.
2: So when we first envisioned this thing, especially the impetus of the prize money we wanted that local meat with a national flavor and that's what we started out and as the money grew obviously we got more attraction where over the last few years before it became the al1 we had up to 50 grand actually a little bit over that in terms of what we were providing to these athletes So $50,000, $10,000 for the top senior lifter, both men and women. And then it scaled down from there, masters, all sorts of different buckets that we had in terms of providing money. And we were really pleased with that. The area that we had was literally boardwalk in terms of the sponsorship and what we were doing. So very proud of that. That was one of the things, this was actually my capstone project for school back in 2002 into 2003. And from that, we continue to build this thing and just got better and bigger. We got better people in terms of people that would add in terms of the sponsorship ideas and all the things that went with it. So we went from a few thousand dollars and then it became 10 with the five figures, 15, 20, and it kept building. And while the American Open Series is great, it's just another side of the Arnold where you have, like you said, the local national flavor to this thing. This was the Arnold at one point up to 2016, as it started going to 17, 18, when we transitioned over, it's still a great event. We love what we do with it. It's just a different side of it. And having the American open series allows for everybody to come at one Mm -hmm. particular time. Otherwise, as you guys know, you have this big schedule aside from the coronavirus thing, you can only put so many events in this period of time. So to have both USAW and Columbus weightlifting together, that made a lot of sense to us, and that's the reason why we went to the American Open Series. Otherwise, we'd have been battling with a bunch of different events. Why fight this thing when you can still have a great event and basically showcase weightlifting? And so it worked. It's still continuing to work, and we're really pleased with what happened. Even without spectators, it still was a great event.
1: And bringing in USAW, you get the live stream package too.
2: Exactly. So when you guys first came in, and the one thing I was impressed with Andy just thinking about it, I was watching you, and you probably didn't even notice, but the lights and the sound and all the things that you were doing. I thought, who is this guy that's basically running everything? <laughs> and he's, he, he's not part of the convention staff. And I can see him doing all this stuff. And I was really impressed. <laughs> and I had to ask somebody from USAW, who's the dude over there? You had the yeah. black hat, and you were on the table, and you had your board and everything. And I'm going, what is this guy doing? I'm happy, but- He's just having fun. Yeah, he's just having fun. And they explained basically what you provided, what you were bringing to the table. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. And then from that became the joke of, as long as there's rush for music, I'm okay with you playing whatever. And then it's (laughs) continued on. So we're very pleased obviously with what is going on now, but just didn't know back in the day, who's the dude over (laughs) at the table. So yeah.
1: Let, Peck, last year was my first year going to the Arnold, and I don't know anybody. Oh, I hear that puppy; right. he's so cute. <laughs> yeah, he's like, let me in, pet me.
2: Exactly. Well, the door got bumped open, but we pulled him back. But yeah, he definitely wants to be part of the show. It's the Cooper show, basically.
1: <laughs> we'll have to get him on towards the end. Uh, Patrick's got our next question lined up, though.
0: Yeah. So speaking speaking of the Arnold, uh, we know he comes in and visits uh, every yes. now and then. But what, what do you guys talk? What do you guys talk about when he comes in?
2: So we really talk about weightlifting. He's astute when it comes to the sport. He knows it inside and out. He will explain it to his entourage and explain to them the snatch and the clean injure. And from what I understand on one of the podcasts, you have not met him yet, correct?
1: No, we haven't. No, we haven't.
2: So for both of you, so I will make a point. Hopefully the stars will align (laughs) and everything will work next year will feature you guys with him and make sure that that happens. So oh, I will man. put that on my to-do list to get that bucket list checked wow. off.
1: But, well, but thank he you really in advance. Yeah, no
2: problem. He he loves, yeah, he loves weightlifting. So really we sit down and bullshit about weightlifting and it's great. Every once in a while I'll poke some fun with him and joke about certain aspects. I'll throw a Tom Arnold thing in with Howard Stern. So I'll get him (laughs) going a little bit and he'll kind of give me this nod like, hey, this isn't the time for this right now, but I'll do it anyway, just to have some fun with it. But yeah, he really knows weightlifting. He understands kilos. He will explain to his group what's going on with the lifts. And then he does his classic, either a Snapchat or some kind of video
1: where he'll- Instagram this year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So he'll do that. And he has his handler explained to him with his phone. It's kind of funny with him with the phone and his handler. And we love it. As long as basically he's not interrupting something that's world-class in terms of that rogue invitational, then, hey, great. Otherwise, eh, but- yeah, he does his own thing, and look, it's his event, so you pretty much let him do what he wants.
0: Yeah, he did slide in with a huge entourage. I remember when he came in, we we're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, uh, 30 people, maybe." And I saw in his story later, he walked up to a chalk bowl and basically did a selfie video. It was like, "We are here."
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's
2: a pretty good accent. He would appreciate that. And for people that don't know out the audience, yeah. <laughs> he was an Austrian weightlifter. So he did the snatch and cleanager. From what I understand, he snatched around 125, 130. Wow. And then he and up to 160 as a 90 plus kilo lifter. So right, and there's some great, if you look at the pictures, he looks before he became a bodybuilder, very basically adept at doing those lifts, you can just tell. So it's a great shot. We actually got a signature autograph with him doing that with the picture and the backdrop and this was 2004 2005 when he did that so classic stuff from him yeah he's uh, he's a great in terms of athlete so he does some great things in terms of archery and some of the other things he's an artist he does a lot of cool stuff Finding a little bit about his background, you realize he's not just a so-called one-trick pony in terms of bodybuilding, does a lot of other stuff. And obviously with this event with Jim Lormer, the things that they decided to do, here it is 30 years plus later doing some great stuff. It's literally the world's largest fitness expo, so it's cool Mm -hmm. to see that also
0: yeah, that's crazy. Just I mean, we've obviously seen documentaries and stuff on on Arnold and seems to have the personality type her. where yeah, where he yeah. puts his mind to something and he accomplishes it, whether yeah. that's moving to the states or politics or even creating a gigantic event like this. I mean, it's it's no yep. short mental feat. It's really impressive.
2: No, not at all. I'll tell you, one of the things maybe we can do for you guys is if you come up and you mentioned coming up a few days before, is have you tour with the Lorimer's, their offices. So they've got everything from the beginning all the way to current 2020, 2021. And there's a few rooms that have the history of the Arnold. I think you guys would enjoy seeing oh, that. Totally. that so good. I would like good to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys would so appreciate cool. <laughs> that. Yeah. Jim tells a great story and he's got a million of them. So it's cool to see that history.
1: I should get out there a day early.
2: Yeah. I won't charge you either.
1: All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. I love a free ride. That's right. Uh, have you ever done that handshake he does in Predator? <laughs> With the hand grab and the Dylan, you son of a bitch.
2: <laughs> so that's a classic movie. I think it's two movies in one. And that was one of my favorite Arnold movies of all time but I usually don't go there with the cliche stuff with him. Thank I stick you. to weightlifting. That's smart.
1: I mean, you guys are kind of like mutual friends in a way. Like,
2: yep. We really socials, are.
1: Yeah, you know each other.
2: Yep, and like I said, it's great just to talk weightlifting with him because the guy knows what he's talking about. It's not the politician. No. It's somebody that understands the lift. So that's the cool part. I think if I tried to do the other part, it probably would fail pretty miserably.
1: Yeah, yeah. the, uh, the starstruck fan. I will yeah. try not to do that if we get a, a minute with him, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. please don't do that to me. Yeah. <laughs> don't embarrass me. Yeah. What's the favorite thing you've said, Arnold?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Mark's like, I vouch for you guys. <laughs> He's back <Yeah>. there sweating. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, never again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny. Okay, now, we've been going back and forth on text, and you sent me some pictures um, of a gym. Not Thank you. Before anybody gets wild <laughs> <Yeah>. lines. <laughs> Thank you. But this is the time for home gym. And yes. I mean, what perfect timing for you to build this home gym. Tell us about it. Cause the pictures you sent, I mean, this is really cool. It looks like it's like a whole, it could be a guest house almost, but it's a gym. And
2: so in 2016, when we looked to buy this property, it's about seven acres, it's on top of a really nice in terms of the local city right on top of it, it's five minutes away. So here you have seven acres. You can get into the city very quickly. You've got four entrances in terms of athletes coming in to this facility. So it's our house. And then about 150 feet away is our gym. And our gym roughly is 60 by 40 and it has a small mezzanine with it. And that facility basically is the idea of why in the world are we paying essentially somebody over and over and over in a strip mall money for rent, Oh yeah, right? So, so why would we do that when well, we can essentially do this ourselves and I can grab conveniently my cup of coffee here and then walk over when I get done with my normal work and then go and coach for a few hours and then come back. And that was kind of the catalyst of what we decided and we went through a lot of stuff at the township a lot of things with the government in terms of contractors and all the things that you have to deal with in terms of a commercial entity, which it was deemed. But with that being said, I told you earlier about this. It's like the Death Star from Star Wars. We're about (laughs) 85% complete. It's operational. Once we get the go ahead, which is going to be May 26th with this coronavirus ruling for Ohio, we'll be allowed to open and basically get this thing up and running. It'll have 11 platforms It's got two bathrooms, it'll have a sauna up top, we've got a shower in there that's really nice, and all the things that go along with weightlifting. We're hoping to put all the years of the flyers for the Arnold's, so we've got almost 20 of them. We're gonna have those with canvas art, give them a plug a little bit, and then you'll, you'll come in and then you'll be able to change and do all these things in terms of being set up, and then you'll have your workout facility. And then on the one side we have, I guess, Patrick, it would be a little bit of our CrossFit area. We'll have some rig type stuff. We'll yeah. have some dumbbells and kettlebells and those type of things. We've got a rower in there. So you will be able to do some other things other than yeah, weight little GPP. and I won't hold that against You'll be
1: able, able to warm up for weightlifting. Yeah, lifting.
2: exactly. So, yeah. So, so the barn is said it's, it's gorgeous. It's got trees lying behind it. So it's really good wow. in terms of the operational side of things, heat and cooling in terms of the trees will keep it moderate. So our our initial goal was we wanted to build it into the ground and basically only have a small area up above and then have an egress where you'd come down and put like a fingerprint where you'd hit the door and you'd be able to get in, which was ultimately way too pricey. But if we had kind of that FU money,
1: yeah,
2: exactly. It would have been (laughs) awesome to have that. But that being said, yeah, it's going to be incredible. We're really looking forward to getting this thing up and running. And it's been essentially kind of a dream of ours to have this set up. Where again, when you come home, you're essentially right there with the gym. You can do your cookouts and all your other things mm-hmm. with your team in terms of activities, have the team together right there at the gym, and then come back to the house and go back and forth.
1: And that's not even like <laughs> just the dream of a, uh of you, that's a dream of a lot of
2: yeah, coaches exactly. in the
0: nation. Yeah. I wonder yeah. what my my townhome HOA board would think about that. <laughs> it's
2: just... So the, that's the type of stuff that we had to get rulings for. Yeah, your, yeah, your HOA probably would not be very happy if all of a sudden you've <laughs> oh, got 20 man. people descending on your property every day.
1: They don't even like my grass, let alone uh, 20 weightlifters hanging out in the front yard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I got a little platform in my garage, Patrick just built one of his, and now you've got this huge facility, yeah. uh, relatively speaking lessons learned going into that project. What can you pass on to people that want to build their own in home type of setup?
2: So the classic measure twice cut once I did the opposite probably over and over and over again. So as a GC, as a general contractor, I probably could have done things a little bit better and probably having somebody that actually had gone through the process. I would tell you, hire somebody, pay the money up front, unless you do this for a living and ask those tough questions and difficult questions of, hey, I'm gonna set this up. What do we think about the garage doors? What do we think of the windows? What do we think of the heating, the cooling, all these things? A lot of it was kind of, oh, I didn't really think about that. Oh, we needed this on the plans. We're gonna to have to cut here and we're gonna to have to do this. So having somebody that's gone through the process, even just building a barn, reaching out to that type of person, do you want a stick build? Do you want this? Do you want that? Those are the type of things that I would tell you reach out and talk to somebody that's a shmee, a subject matter expert on building to understand, Hey, here's my goal and my vision, but we're essentially talking about a barn. What type of things do I need in this? And what are the things that I really have to caveat wise think about to make sure it's going to happen and the timeline. So my jokingly, timeline was going to be a few months once they started building and I've doubled every, in terms of like a government project, Everything I've done, it's been double the time. So that would be the other thing I would tell you, be ambitious. But if you say, hey, in six months, I'm gonna do X, just know it's probably gonna be 12 months. It's gonna be a year in terms of you getting that done, even from the planning stage when we went through. So those would be lessons learned for me of asking really good questions and having somebody there on site, if you can walk it. And basically, if they've gone through that process of understanding, here's my vision, what things do you see that would make it quicker or more efficient or ultimately more effective in terms of me Uh-oh. getting this project done?
1: Now, uh, uh, the, the platform itself, how did you engineer that? So one oh, thing, there's that was, so many ways to do it. Yeah.
2: So in what we initially started with and what we're doing now, so right now we bought the rogue platforms, the eight by eight ones, and we have 10 of those and we are essentially taking their foam and putting them into the platforms but then we're also using some specialty foam that we're going to use that will quiet down the sound in terms of the plates hitting with the bumper plates good and then where our jerk blocks are we're setting up smaller platforms the six by eight so i'm plugging rogue here rogue fitness in terms of having easy assembly you insert the wood put the foam in and you're ready to go
1: hey when it comes to rogue Buy local, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Buy local. <laughs> they're, they're our sponsor. They're USAW sponsor. Bill and Katie have been great to us for many, many years. I mean, I jokingly, this you may not know this about Bill. Bill approached us in 06 and asked to put his business cards on the table, right? Just to get his word out. So this was in 06. Here it is, right? And
1: that's back when they were making wood rings. Yeah,
2: exactly. So 14 years later a pretty different landscape in terms of what they've done, and now they're part of the IWF. But platform-wise, yeah, yeah, we we essentially put the money towards having Mm -hmm. a, a quality product, having them set up these, essentially the eight by eights with the ring on the outside with the metal where they're all locked in, and then the foam in there to keep it quiet. And then we've got those all spaced out appropriately. We've got the racks in between there. So we've got those set up. So that way, you as a lifter, when you come in, you have ownership the bars, the plates, the platform. That is yours. You better clean that thing up when you get done with it or you're (laughs) gonna get beat. And if it's not me, Shelly's gonna come (laughs) looking for you, right? So we wanna make sure that
1: we have that. That (laughs) hound on you. Yeah,
2: or Cooper. Yes, and so you wanna make sure that it's cleaned up after you're done. Whereas in the past, we've had rows of racks and we've done all these other things Mm -hmm. where it's kind of been a community thing and you have to drag the weights across and do all this other stuff. The way it's set up now, you go in, here's your platform. You essentially, like you said, warm up however you want to, row or otherwise. And then basically here's your platform, you get on it, go ahead and do your thing. And that's our, basically our vision of how we envision setting it up of a one-to-one relationship. You come in, you train, and then you own this platform during that time. And then when you're done, basically clean it up and then you're out depending on what you're doing. So it hopefully will work extremely well. Every world championships that I've been to, every big time competition, it's a one-to-one relationship in terms of people training, doing their thing. So it made a lot of sense to me looking at the equipment. Hey, I want an individual rack. I can load literally up to 200 plus kilos. That should be sufficient. And then going from there in terms of what we're trying
0: to do. Yeah. So basically leave, leave the spot, how you found it, you know, and <laughs> if only that, trans- exactly. if only that translated into warm up rooms, you know, <laughs> I try to, when we're like, we try to pick up when we're done and organize the weights back on the road racks and stuff like that, that, you know, I've, we've got walked into a warm up room that just looks like a tornado hit it. And we're like, where the
1: hell are the fives at? <laughs> you know? yes so uh, the thing that well, we did that this year uh okay. sorry it was before the meet started at the arnold we, we went in the back to get a picture of all the chairs lined up but they're just a little <laughs> bit out of out of line we went down the entire <laughs> room hundreds all. of chairs lined them all up just for one telephone picture to put on instagram story so it worth, it. It,
2: worth I, it i'll tell you two funny stories with that one and thank you for doing that but each day we would try to clean up at the end of the day, because we knew there was no way in between the sessions, just so many sessions, 40 plus or whatever it is, to have somebody at the end of the day, really, really, nighttime, to have the fortitude to understand that the 25s and then the 20s go to a particular place, the 15s and so on, you would find it was like plate tectonic movement with the earth, how in the world did the fives that were supposed to be on the red platform in this section for the (laughs) warmups end up in the white 80 feet away. I don't get it, but they did. And you're sitting, you're scratching your head going, how can this be? How did this get moved? And thank God, I'll plug somebody that has been a long time weightlifter, John North, his group, he came to me and actually said, Hey, what can I do for you guys? And I said, would you mind cleaning up and basically getting all your platforms for you guys We're competing all straightened up. And he's like, oh, sure. So I'm thinking, awesome. And then I saw him literally looking at the configuration of the plates and you could, I was laughing going, yeah, John, this is gonna be a little confusing because you (laughs) think you would just put these 25s, 20s and and so on and so on in the change plates. No, no, those plates are way down here. You're gonna have to bring these back. And he was laughing like, okay, no problem. I'm gonna do this but a plug out to him for being willing to figure this out. And then once he got the pattern down, he understood kind of the insanity of, wow, there's four four platforms basically. And then the ones behind six each, right? That had to be straightened up. And then you had to go running back and forth, red, white, and blue, and then the stars one, of figuring out where the plates were. And every day I would go, I don't get how they get moved, but somebody's moving these, (laughs) but I don't understand how, yeah.
1: And yeah, big shout out to John for doing that. And it's not just to help you guys. Always, he's helping his team out because yeah. he's mm-hmm. got a lot of new people on his team. He's instilling the values and the work culture of weightlifting and leaving it like you found it, and just right. the good uh, virtues of being a good steward of weightlifting. And he's putting that in his new lifters, which is great to see.
2: You speak of values, and I'll tell you a quick story in Thailand for 2019 at the Worlds, one country, and I'll, maybe I'll quiz you guys here, one country value-wise would clean up their equipment completely after they got done Japan. Yes, Japan. So nice job. They would, <laughs> they would, they would bow to each other, right? You, you probably got this information somehow from me through that search, but yeah, they would bow to each other after they got done, no matter how bad or how good their competition went. And then all of them, the whole team would clean up and put everything away. And I was so impressed with that thinking, wow, if everybody did that, how cool would that be? But Japan, year in and year out at a world championships and I'm sure in all their big meets, they clean up afterwards. And I thought that was the coolest thing. That was something well-known.
1: I'll tell you how I know that it's because at the masters IWF masters world cup in uh, San Diego, Japan had a team there. And okay. That's what they did there. Their section where they had their two platforms in the back was, pristine yes and i i saw that i was taking pictures of it with my phone i was like look this is what it should yeah, be like guys exactly Meanwhile, like TMUSA love them over here but it looked like uh, a landfill
2: yes among other countries unfortunately
1: yeah it, w- it wasn't just us but okay. <laughs> yeah japan's was looks so good that that that's burned in my memory
0: i don't know if you saw this in daytona andy but i saw people taking barbells like from stars all the way to red and back and forth wow and- you know there were bars missing from from a far warm up platform where there were like six. Uh, I counted four men's bars on one platform over on blue or something like that. And it's like, what are you guys doing? There's plenty of equipment to go around. I promise.
1: Call that the red, white, and blue shuffle.
0: Speaking speaking of meets, Mark, do you, do you have a, any idea on a number of how many meets you've organized?
1: Ooh, that's a
2: good question. So obviously you've got the honor of almost twenty of them. You've got the state meet, so you've got a handful there you have our local meets, there's at least 20 to 30. So probably 50, 60 plus in terms of organizing or being a part of something in in terms of the logistics. And even not our own, we've had people reach out to us saying, hey, how would we do X, Y, and Z? And we give them that information. So part of my background with school is a planning logistics in terms of the degree. And it's served us well in terms of that cue time and, and flow and throughput and bottlenecks and all the things that happen during a competition and having that information kind of in your back pocket to pull out a tool, so to speak, is great in terms of the competition so you set it up properly. So having that background has served us well for weightlifting.
0: Yeah. And is, that, is that something you I was going to follow up to this was a piece of advice you'd give somebody that say, hey, I want to run my first meet. Mark, what's a good piece of advice that you could send me off with?
2: I would tell them to script on paper or whether it's an Excel, what's actually going to happen. So in other words, Hey, even down to the smallest thing. So let's say the lights go out in terms of the electronics. I have my red and white sticks or I have one stick that's red and one that's white, basically the same stick. So in other words, all those little things that you're not thinking about in terms of, Oh, my broom, where, where's my extra broom because I have four platforms instead of three or whatever it may be. Script it all out and who's the owner of that, right? So if it's Andy because it's something with the cameras and you forgot this USB converter plug, whatever, put Andy down as the owner for that. So that way, when it comes to it, he sees that, goes, okay, I have this basically down to a T. If something goes wrong, I've got that covered. So yeah, basically a checklist is what I would tell somebody, a beginning meet director and not try to keep it all up here because at some point you won't be able to. You either get too old or it gets too big and it's just too much.
1: <laughs> That's what we're doing right now. We've got a we've got a Google Doc that we go off of just to keep yeah. us on track. We don't want to forget any questions. It, it, proper planning yeah. is key, Yes, the key to success. Yeah. Yep.
2: I can't tell you how many times, especially in the beginning, forgetting things and going, here, I just added all this extra time of running to a store or borrowing something or buying something or whatever at midnight because we didn't plan properly.
0: Yeah, that's something the past couple of years that I think we're we've done 12 now, 12 meets. Um, and the past few we've been uh, or I've been kind of keeping like a procedures document it's it literally a binder like you said with checklists and stuff and somebody at our, at our last one Andy at the convention center was giving me grief cuz I was like walking around like a dork with my with my binder and he's like oh what you got there i'm like uh hey, the, nerd. the bible of yeah the bible of this event so that we don't crash and burn you know
1: <laughs> this is what's keeping yeah, us yeah. afloat uh, if you don't i agree with
0: that yeah i agree with you. Yeah, it's it's definitely like processes and checklists and assignments that's definitely i would definitely agree with that
1: that's what i do when we go to those big meets for the when i do the photos and videos and i mean i got it all in my head really but i know exactly what yeah, like it's all compartmentalized like the video system. I know every little component that has to be there I'll lay it out on the floor and then pack that five times and then do the same for the photos yep. Yep. So I do bring a lot of extra stuff too just in case something breaks uh, And then there's some things that you really can't bring extras of because you're too expensive or too heavy but What I can bring extras of I do and things that I know other people might need like I know um, Everybody wants to charge their phone at my computer station. For some reason, everybody on the USAW staff is like, uh, can I plug in here? No, this is not. So I start bringing extra phone chargers for them to use and extra power strips, and extra USB cables, and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, for, for us, you talk about equipment, right? So if something didn't get brought over, well, this just in, Rogue Fitness is where? R- right next door. So we could knock on the door and make a phone yeah, call. True. And if we forgot something, so to speak, they're right there and they're great at bringing up. Hey, we need this, this and this, they'll bring it over immediately. So that's been great for us over the last few years of having the ability to say, Hey, let's say it's warm up sticks, they're able to bring those over. And it usually happens within an hour. So awesome for them to be able to do that. At
1: The last Arnold that we we were all relying on that kind of philosophy a lot. Uh, your guy that you had setting up the AV around, he had extra stuff and we were using that to put video in the back screens and then Scott, the live stream guy didn't have uh, his normal video feed of the scoreboard, but I would I knew how to get it on the network and got everybody on the same network and then we we're all able to use this. So it was like, it was just a good way to lean on each other and use it, each other's stuff. And man, it's a yeah. good thing people had extra things.
2: Yeah, the guy you're referring to, and a, a beautiful shout out to him, Brian Saul. So Inspector Gadget, he literally can interface <laughs> with all of you and he has the ability and again, he has all this equipment for somebody like you or Scott, whoever it may be, Harland, it doesn't matter. And he's able to understand it. So he's been with us from the very beginning and we have him up, especially at the beginning because he's able to provide whatever it is that you guys need. And I'll say, Hey, I'll throw the rock over the wall. Brian, we need this. And then lo and behold, a few seconds later, it's, it's up and running. You're like, Oh, thank God
1: for Brian. We clicked really well. Saul and I, and, yeah, cause it's cause we were speaking the same language. I could ask him a question if he had this and wouldn't have to explain what for or what it was going to do or how it worked. He just said, oh yeah, I got two of those over there. Let me go grab it. So that was great.
2: Yeah, it's pretty impressive.
1: Now, what do you do outside of weightlifting, if anything? Do you work so, you work full time? I know that.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I've got the normal job like many people. And aside from that, obviously weightlifting here and dear to what we do. So we used to travel worldwide teaching, whether it was Columbus weightlifting courses or USAW courses, so that was a big component. But really right now, once this thing hopefully gets lifted, probably another thing that we do in terms of the traveling is just going places that for us, for Shelly and I, and just enjoying the places that in terms of we like to see, so architecture, that type of thing, wine, those different places. That would be another side of things that we do other than weightlifting and obviously our normal jobs. But a lot of what we do is weightlifting. So when we travel, so we went to 2016 master's meet, Shelly competed at that meet, took first, and that was in Japan. So that was a cool trip. And then in between when we, yeah, so in between that meet, we go exploring Japan. It was the first time we were there in terms of exploring and going places. So that's another side, even though it's weightlifting, we're able to travel and do different things. So I'm hoping hoping two thousand twenty one probably that we'll get back to something like that in terms of normalcy that we'll be able to do those type of things.
1: That's awesome. You said you went to college and studied logistics?
2: Yeah. So that yeah, process flow, but go ahead. No,
1: I was I was gonna ask like what what put you, what made you wanna study that, what, what was your future invi- like goal for that major? Cause I used to work in logistics myself and it, it's really helped a lot just in life in general, just being able to think things through and know there's a process for everything that, instead of just ma- stuff magically happening. It's people behind the scenes making it work.
2: It, it's funny, I almost feel like you interviewed our athletes and then also Shelly in terms of the things that I rail on. So I'm notorious for if there's a process flow, whatever it may be, that's not good. I will bark, so to speak, at whoever it is in terms of a group or a corporation or whatever the, the flow is. And way back when in school, so this would have been in Bowling Green in another lifetime, I used to complain about the lunch lines because of the way people would come in and it would all bottleneck up. And I was trying to explain to them how to basically open up the lunch line so the queuing process would be smoother. So when people got into that line, at the end, basically they'd be able to get their food and get out with whether it was the meal tickets or if they were paying in a smoother process. And so those type of things as observations I've had for a long, long time. Hmm. And that's essentially what I like doing in terms of the weightlifting, it's a mousetrap, right? So that impetus of, yeah, problem solving and putting good people into those places like you, Brian Saul, Scott, hey, I won't understand that you need this connection to make this live feed happen here, here, and here. But I do know Brian and I know Andy and I know this person and I know that you guys are smart enough. Here's the schematic, essentially go figure this out. And that's kind of the thing that I say, hey, I might not have the smarts enough to do all these things, but I do know people that can and I like to bring them together. And that's essentially the way I look at the Arnold. All these smart people, in the club and then also from USAW are all brought together at one time, look at what they're basically doing to present this great show. And that's essentially what I enjoy doing, putting that mousetrap together. It's, it's a lot of, in terms of reward, reward with the output to see that. And there's times at the meet that I'll just step back and go, you know what, this is really cool. And there's, there's certain moments of watching weightlifters go at it where it's all worth it at that point.
1: On uh, Netflix, they got the show Formula One Drive to Survive they interviewed the principal guy for mercedes Total wolf they're the top team right now he said the okay. same he said the same exact thing said, i don't know how to engineer a race car i don't know how to adjust suspension i don't know how to do all things but i know how to make the environment productive environment for the people that do and the, yeah you see that a lot at the top people that really know how to connect the dots and uh, it's it's a great skill yeah. to have
0: well it's served us well obviously over the years yeah it's essentially a logistic you're, you're sourcing the person and the person's creating the deliverable. So you're <laughs> making sure everything's being produced on time, right? Yep.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, we're going to pop into the rapid fire question.
0: Yeah, we got the <laughs> rapid fire. Uh, <laughs> random questions, some, some way weightlifting related, some not, but uh, we'll, we got uh, just a handful of them. So, favorite weightlifter?
2: Probably Stefan Botev. And the reason why was because of his shirt. So, he actually came to the Arnold not to make this not rapid fire, but it was really cool to see somebody that when I first started lifting, that have him show up. And I've got his signature on a poster. So, that's it's cool awesome. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Oh, no. Feel free to explain the answer because really the answer is the oh, rapid okay. part. Uh, favorite car? How about that?
2: So, right now, uh, an Audi Q8, and I have one and I'm really pleased with it. And it's probably the quietest car I've ever had. I'm a, I'm a person about quiet, obviously with the gym, trying to figure out with the baffles, how to reduce the, the sound and the noise. <laughs> so having my car with literally no ro- road noise at all is primo for me. And even in a Tesla, if you drive it, the regenerative brakes and all the sound with it, even oh, though cool. it's electric, you, you still hear stuff. Whereas this Audi, it's just yeah. super quiet. So the double pane glass and all the shit that goes with it, not to plug it but I love it. It's it's awesome.
0: Uh, favorite food?
2: Steak. So I'm a big carnivore when it yeah. comes to ribeyes and strip steaks. We've got the grill. We've got it hooked to the gas in the house. So big fan of that. Obviously the Corona 15, more like 20 on me <laughs> right now. It, it's, it's due to a lot of steak. Yeah. 19. Exactly. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. We're about to, we're about to actually go downstairs and grill some steak after this okay. too. So yep. we're right there with yep. you uh favorite favorite poem this sounds like an andy question <laughs>
2: so I'll explain I, I will i will lead even though it's technically songs anything from alan parsons so edgar Allan poe in terms of some of the stuff in the albums their theme albums so i'm probably stretching here a little bit in terms of the poem part but i would say that the yeah the the verbiage and the way they explain stuff each album that they have yeah. or have had have been theme albums so pyramid project in terms of the pyramids and some of the other stuff they did one on the uh, Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, a whole album that was based on that. So each one to, about women, so Eve. So it's pretty cool when you read the words. It's very poetic, so to speak, in terms of what they do.
1: Same with Rush songs.
2: <laughs> yeah, same with Rush songs, yes. Yes, exactly. I right. thank you.
1: I'm gonna put a Rush <laughs> playlist on today just for you guys.
0: Uh, hidden hidden talent, any hidden talent. Thank you. you. <laughs> Whew. hidden
2: talents. Wow. I, I, You know what the connect the dots probably would be the only thing I can skateboard even now <laughs> 56. I'm still what I consider a pretty good skateboarder. So I don't know if that's a hidden talent. It's probably an unknown. I don't know if I have any. I jokingly say I don't know how to do a lot of stuff other than connect the dots.
1: That's a good skill to have. All right. Now it's my turn for my five. All right. I think I already know the answer to this one. Dogs or cats? Dogs. <laughs> okay, I got five cats. <laughs> uh,
2: I'm not. I'm not a fan of cats.
1: <laughs> I love dogs too. It just uh, with all the traveling we do, yeah. couldn't happen.
2: Yeah, I, I get that. All
1: that right. makes your, sense. Your favorite Arnold movie and quote. So we talked about Predator. Yeah. In terms of the
2: quote, uh, so from that movie, probably the the line where he is in the mud. And the predator basically after he falls through the water and everything and then the predator comes is looking for him I'm i am here essentially says he can't yeah, yeah. no no not that one oh, the one God. where he says he can't see him so he realizes at that point that when he's shrouded with something that the predator actually can't he's see blind. him so it's like this revealing moment yeah he's blind basically so that line i really like and then also from the movie aliens the second one where bill paxton says game over and goes through that <laughs> hole just goes off like hey we're here, excuse me, but we're screwed. <laughs> and I love that that he's basically, hey, we're completely just not game gonna over, make man. it. Game over. Yeah, game over. So, so that's a classic line for me for that movie. That's an all-time movie for Interesting me. Interesting enough, Bill
1: Paxson had a great line in Terminator One. Laundry Day, right? No clothes. That's right. This guy's a few cans short of a six pack.
2: <laughs> yeah, nice job. And, and it really sucks that he's not around right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh all right. you're your number one. Number one, your number one all time, Rush song. Wow. Number one. This is a probably, tough one for Rapid Fire. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm
2: thinking of all the albums and everything else. Probably on the backside of Permanent Waves, the Entree New probably would be my number one song, or from Farewell to Kings or uh, Hemispheres, the trees would be another oh, one. Oh, that's a great but song. It's tough with the number one. Yeah. But, different strings from permanent waves the entree one and probably the trees from hemisphere those three come to mind
1: so more of the 90s style
2: uh, <laughs> rush oh uh, well no that would be 80s oh, oh snap 80s. yes that no
1: was,
2: actually it would be early myself 80s. like an idiot <laughs> yeah yeah
1: actually ten years he- after he- you described
2: hemispheres <laughs> would be late 70s and then permanent waves in terms of what that was early 80s Way so off. I was way off. I'm was i dating myself, but yeah, you're, yeah, no, they, they were well into the whole techno and doing some things with the drums and other weird stuff. So it was definitely a different time. Yeah.
1: Okay. Have you, this, this requires a little precursor. <laughs> yet, have you no. seen Tiger King? No.
2: So I've read a lot about it. Okay. I have not seen it. Uh, so I know enough about it to be dangerous, but I've not seen it.
1: Okay. Well then I think this is my work. If you had to be quarantined with one character from Tiger King, who would it be and why, and who would it not be and why?
2: I know the owner and I know that there's a lady and there was something about a murder or something with somebody else that was actually a zookeeper, right? Right. So Appreciate I don't know that. if I know enough to actually okay. <laughs> espouse of saying something that would make sense. So yeah, <laughs> I would have difficulty with that one. Okay,
1: well then that question is for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be quarantined with the Tiger. <laughs> no. So that's a game. To, <laughs> yeah, they were a star. I, it, yeah, I, well.
1: That's funny. Yeah, until they basically. Never thought of that. Yeah,
2: Siegfried and Roy take you down. Uh, I, I, I'm going to have to pass on that one. Okay, I'll, this is I'll the last it.
1: one. It's uh, kind of a question. You ready? O-H. H. Yes. I-O. Oh, there well, you right. go. You got oh, it. Okay, that was the rapid fire. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right, Mark, where can the people listening uh, find you and Columbus Weightlifting to follow? Not your address, but like your social media.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah, so obviously ColumbusWeightlifting.org with the actual website, Columbus Weightlifting at Instagram, and on Facebook, Columbus Weightlifting. So those would be the three platforms to find us. In terms of what we're doing, obviously we have the Arnold too, which hopefully next year we'll have one in
1: 2021. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, same here, Patrick. You want to take us out? Absolutely. Well,
0: Mark, we enjoyed having you. Thanks again for joining us today, thanks. and thanks everyone else for listening to the Keep Pulling podcast. You can find this episode and previous episodes on our website, KeepPulling.com. Make sure to follow us on social media. We are at Keep Pulling and at Listening Life on Instagram. If you like what you hear, drop us a review on iTunes. We will see you all next time.